chapters. So I'm left at the platform here. God is so good, right? You can stand or sit. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get everyone to stand because when I read Scripture, you stand in the presence of the Lord. (laughs) King Jesus, man. He's not just a tail. He's a man that walked upon this earth and who set us free. King Jesus. I know the story in Genesis, it always talks about in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And it was the Godheads, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit who created this environment in which you and I have the privilege of walking on that's called earth. I thank God for the privilege of having breath in my lungs and a spirit within me that I can walk with him on this earth. You may think, well, I'm not walking, walking with him. He's in heaven and I'm here. But the Bible is clear that he's given us his spirit. That it's his spirit that we walk in. And this morning, it's either we're walking in his spirit or we're walking in our flesh. You can't be 50% in the spirit and 50% in the flesh. Can't be 70, 40, 70, 80, 90, 100. Oh, 70, 30. Oh, you mathematicians. Either fully walking with the Spirit of God or fully walking with your flesh. You can't be split in half. I thank God that he made us three parts. That we have this body that encapsulates everything about us. Our attitudes, our attributes, our characteristics. God created all of that for his glory. He's given us a spirit through the Spirit of God. He breathed in us life, that we can live a life that is overcoming or overcome. We don't need to live below. He said he's given us life and life to the full or life abundantly. And that life is given through Jesus Christ. But he is seated in the heavenly places and he's given you what we call Holy Spirit. This person, Holy Spirit. And this morning I'm going to be talking about this person, Holy Spirit, because this person is the most important person in your life. We talk about Jesus. We talk about the Godhead. We talk about the Father and the Son. But I want us to remember that it's Holy Spirit that walks in through us and talks through us on earth. And we've got to get to know this guy. We can't just be in a relationship. I'm in a relationship with some of you guys. I'm in a relationship. But I'm intimate with my husband. I'm not just in a relationship with him. I'm intimate with him. We argue. We love. We forgive. We talk. We cry. We hug. We fight. But that's how we become intimate In relationships, we just say hello, goodbye, how are you, smile. But when you're intimate with someone, it becomes, you become one with that person. Does that make sense? 
So this morning, I'm going to be talking on the Holy Spirit, and we've got to I'm always talking. Look, I can't find a bead. I, do, I, was, I rang Dave yesterday. I was going to ask him, can you bring a bead? But I thought I'd just use a table and just dress it like a bed. I wouldn't make my bed like this. But it's the best that I got for this morning, all right? So I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about furniture. I'm going to be talking about the bed. I'm going to be talking about the seat. I'm going to be talking about the table. I'm going to talk about the lampstand. It's a pretty fancy lamp, Jamaica. It's nice. I'm going to talk about furniture this morning because I want to share to you how this how these pieces of furniture are important for our growth and our relationship and intimacy and deepness with the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? This morning I'm going to read from Second Kings and if you have your Bible, if you're using your phone, do me a favor, put on flight mode. I want our full attention this morning. So we put our phone on flight mode and we can open up our Bible app. We can still read our Bible app, but you're not going to get any texts or Facebook alerts. Just put on flight mode. We're going to read from 2 Kings. And this morning, if you would do me the pleasure, because I'm standing, you're going to stand with me. And we're going to read 2 Kings 4, 8 to 10. And we're going to read this together. Is that okay? Because we're in this together, right, Fano? So if you can stand with me, and we're going to read this together, and you're going to see it up there. Can you see it? Am I in the way, or am I okay? Am I okay? All right. Let's read this together. Now it happened one day. Where there was a notable woman. So it was as often and she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God. It's a beautiful story. I just want to stop you for a minute. I love how women have the ability to discern. No offense, man of God. But when your wife or your woman in your life says, don't do that, it's not because she wants to argue with you. She has the spirit of discernment and she's protecting you. FYI. Now look, I know that, that this is a holy man, keep reading, of God, who passes by us regularly. Verse 10, please let us make a small upper room on a wall. See, this woman is so creative. She doesn't just have discernment, but she's got a plan. If you have a wife here, look at her and go, I know what she's talking about. I know you've got a plan. We already planned out your day today. You just don't know it. 
And she uh, let us put a bed, a bed for him there, a bed, a table, a chair, and a lampstand. So it will be there. Whenever he comes to us, he will turn in there. On the way down, shake your neighbor's hand and say, God bless you. I love the story about Elijah. Elijah had taken the mantle, um, was taken over the mantle of a man named Elijah. And Elijah was doing double the amount of miracles than Elijah. And the story, there's many stories, but there is a story before this story in 2 King where there was a widow or a woman and she, didn't, she just had a little bit of oil and we know the story and he does this miracle and then we get up to this part. He meets this woman and she offers him food and every time he would come past her, her, her town, he would stop in for a kai. And then she had this brilliant idea or the woman go. She had this brilliant idea, and the idea was she was going to convince or tell her husband, let us make a, a upper room, because this man is a holy man of God. Let us put in it a bed, let us put in a, a, a table and a chair and a lampstand. Let us put in Parts of furniture which will accompany or support the man of God as he comes through our town. So he has a place to rest. This is my assignment this morning that I'm going to talk to you about four pieces of furniture. And you may go, oh my goodness, what is she doing with four pieces of furniture? I want to talk about how these four pieces of furniture relates to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. These pieces of furniture. You see, everything in the Bible was given as an instruction for you and I. Nothing is an accident. Everything is a pattern. The Bible is full of patterns and blueprints. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the Bible says, he will what? Seek first the kingdom of God. Thank you. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm in the right church. <laughs> so how can we go deeper and, and, and intimate? How can we become more deeper and intimate in our relationship with the Holy Spirit? I want to say this firstly, that this, uh, this woman had made preparations for the move of God before she even knew that she needed a move of God. Before she even knew she needed something from God, she had prepared a room for God. Can I say to you that you may be in a really good season right now, but seasons come and seasons go, so we always must be ready in season and out of season. So we must always be able to make room for God in order to create a miracle in which we need even before we get to the, get to the need. That's why we pray. So she prepared this room for Elijah, and in doing so, she made room for her own miracle. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit started at the point of our salvation. 
When we gave our hearts and lives over to God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and sealed us until the time of redemption. In other words, until we come back to God, go back to God, He's given us His Spirit. We become intimate with Him when we surrender to His will and His words and His purposes in our lives. You see, it is not enough for you and I just to get saved, and that's it. We have to surrender our lives every day to the Holy Spirit. We've got to get to know this guy. We've got to get up every morning and know that the Holy Spirit is with us and in us. There is so much emphasis on God the Father and God the Son, and that is equally important. They're equal parts of one God. But can I tell you, it is the Holy Spirit that is residing in us. And Jesus is seated in the heavenly places next to God. So how about we get to know this person, the Holy Spirit? Like any other relationship in our lives, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, it needs to be developed and it needs to be nurtured. So I'm going to be sharing something very simple about these four pieces of furniture. And I pray that as I speak this over your life, that it will stir something up in you that you will seek after a relationship and intimacy with Holy Spirit. The first thing is the bed. Everyone say bed. It's an ugly looking bed, but it's a bed. The bed represents what? Intimacy. Whether you're single or you're married, the bed represents intimacy. It represents anticipation. It represents a deep, um, intimate conversations. When I go to bed with my husband, we have the best conversations. We talk about the kids, talk about the grandchildren. We talk about our dreams. We talk about everything that we desire. We go into deep detail when we lay in our bed. Deep, intimate conversations. It is a place of vulnerability. Men and women of God, if you're married this morning, this is a place that we become very vulnerable. We're vulnerable to one another, like Christ with his bride. You've got to talk to me. The bed represents conflict. I put this in last night because I had an argument with my husband. I was like, we're having an argument, and I think I need to put that in my message. So I got out of bed, I stopped arguing, and I written on my laptop, conflict. And this is a true story. We had an argument which helped me with the message. So praise Jesus, he turns all bad things to the good, to his glory. It is a place of conflict. You want to know what happens in the family? Spy in your mother and father's bedroom. They're fighting. They just don't tell you. These conflict happening. Oh, do you go into your parents' room, Pastor D? <laughs> the conflict happening in, in the bed. But there's also forgiveness. And I forgave him for being an idiot last night. 
We had a fight. It gave me a word. I put it in the message. Then I went back to bed and we forgave each other. Is that not right? But it's also a place to rest. To really rest, not sleep. You can sleep anywhere. But this is a place to rest. And for those of us who are married, you'll be able to get the picture of what I'm sharing with you this morning about the bed. And you will understand it a lot better than those who are single. Or maybe not. I don't know. But when we make room for the Holy Spirit, it creates a place where all these things occur. But can I tell you something? Everything occurs on the bed once you shut the door. Not right? Your intimacy happens not with open doors. Your intimacy happens when you shut the door. Deep conversations happen when you shut the door. Arguments take place and iron sharpens iron when you shut the door. Forgiveness happens when you shut the door. Everything takes place on the bed when we shut the door. If you're just in a relationship, everything's open and displayed, you know. If I've got a mate around home, I don't shut the door. I'm just in a relationship. It's only my bedroom. But when I want to have a deep conversation with my husband, my bedroom doors shut. Are you hearing me? All of the husbands and wives in this room, you're able to relate, right? Or use all perfect or use all great. I was saying everyone can relate. That once the door is shut, a deeper intimacy takes place. A deeper conversations, a place of um, vulnerability takes place when you shut the door. Rest happens when you shut the door. The Holy Spirit is longing for this type of relationship and intimacy with you and I. He's longing for you to shut the door of that internet. He's longing for you to shut the door of all distractions. He's longing for you to shut the door. I remember um, prior to this story, we are told that Elijah told this widow, you know, she goes, go collect the jars. And he says, go get all the jars. Then go into your house and what? Shut the door. When she shut the door, the oil began to flow. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, he goes, but, when, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut your door, are you hearing this? Pray to your Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Many of us will never grow deep in the intimacy and relationship with the Holy Spirit because we never know how to shut the door. There is a door that each one of us have in our lives, and that's called a door of distractions. Internet, Netflix, Facebook, Tweet Tweet, cell phones, Sky Sports, anyone else? Anybody else? 
these distractions of our mind. Our mind gets crowded with worry and plans and activities. Do you know what? I never, ever allow a TV in my bedroom. Because if I want intimacy and deep conversations, the TV becomes a distraction for those deep conversations and intimacy. So my husband needs to suck it up and turn the TV off. And all the women in the house go, yes. These are doors, and and if we're not careful, they can stop us by becoming intimate with the Holy Spirit. So how do we go to secret places with the Holy Spirit? With our phone on. Example. I know this is the 21st century, and everyone's got tablets and iPhones and Typhones, and my, my grandchildren, they have iPhones, but they don't know what an iron is iPhone, iron. iPhone, iron. They can use an iPhone, have no clue how to use an iron. Your phone is your open door to distraction. Put it on flight mode. Give God your full attention. Be intimate with the Holy Spirit by shutting down all distractions, closing every door, friendships, relationships, your mates might be saying, come on, let's go out for a few wines. That's actually not a bad idea. But anyway, distractions. I've got to stay focused, right? Sorry, I forgot I was in church. Okay. But you have to close those doors because intimacy happens when we close the doors of all the distractions that are around our life, if you want to get to know someone beyond a friendship, you need to spend time alone. I remember when we were courting, time alone was sneaking around because <laughs> we were in a Samoan church, right? <laughs> all the Samoans go, oh, praise Jesus, I know that. <laughs> And if we wanted time together, <laughs> if we wanted time together, we would have to sneak around. But I want to tell you something. That was just a friendship of courting. When we put a ring, when he finally put a ring on my finger, and I accepted him as my husband. Oh, didn't have a choice. But anyway, I just like I said yes. If you understand, in, in the culture of Samoans, I was pregnant with our pastor at that time. And because I was pregnant, I had to get married. So, of course, I had to marry the guy that made me pregnant, right? So, but I want to tell you that we had to learn to shut the door of stuff in order to make our marriage strong enough and intimate. And it took time. It took years. It's still taking years. He's just learning to put the toilet seat down. It takes years. It takes years. It takes years to condition your partner for life to fold his clothes up and not leave it on top of the drawer. Put it in the drawer. Friends, that's intimacy, arguing, forgiving, loving, deep conversations. It takes time for him. See, it's all not about me. I've learnt. It takes time for him to lift up the toaster and wipe underneath, not around. (laughs) It takes time to become intimate. I can see Mama Bear over there going, see, that's like you, Papa Fernando. (laughs) 
It takes time, but you have to shut the door of stuff. Turn off Oprah. We've got to stop depending on the world's view to fix marriages. We've got to shut the door from all this other commotion and voices and noise and look to Jesus and the Holy Spirit that will lead us and guide us to become intimate so we become one in partnership for life. Shut the door. Whatever that may look like for you, shut the door. You know, I also read this this morning, don't let your paycheck become your highest priority. The, the closer we get to heaven, and I keep saying this, that Jesus is coming soon, and people are going, well, you've been saying that for the last, you know, 50 years, 60 years, or whatever age you are, okay, Jesus is coming back. And I'm like, well, he's getting closer. Because when I was born, he was coming back, but now he's getting closer because I'm almost to my death. So he's getting closer. I want us to remember that don't allow the paycheck to become your highest priority. Nothing is wrong with working and, and, and earning to have a good life, but it's wrong when our busyness becomes the pleasure that feeds our flesh and takes us away from shut doors with the Holy Spirit. It is hard to weigh up, eh? It is hard to, to weigh this up. Am I doing what God wants me to do? If we're not spending intimate time with, God, with the Holy Spirit, then maybe it's questionable and you're not doing what God wants you to do. Shut the doors. Tell your neighbor, shut that damn door, neighbor. No, don't use them. Is this recorded? Oh my, oh, Pastor Jordan's going to tell me off. He's going to go, Mom, I told you not to say those words. Okay, shut the door, please. In 1 Corinthians, it says this, and this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distractions. The bed, place of intimacy deep conversations, pace of conflict and forgiveness and rest, 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 rest. Not sleep, rest. Look at the table. Look, none of these furniture looks like how it was in the Old Testament, all right, but this is the best I can do. Look at the table. The table represents the place of fellowship, right? Place of communion, a place of nourishment, provision, connection. It also is a place of brokenness, a place of giving, a place of sharing, and a place of blessing. Tables are one of the most important places in the human connection. Did you know that? If you want to connect to someone, have a kai. It's in the Bible. I'm going to show you. Being around the table and sharing a meal breathes life into everyone's soul. I love it when someone else cooks and does the dishes. It breathes life in my soul. So we shouldn't be surprised that throughout the Bible, you will always find Jesus finding his way to somebody's table. He was a blender. He found his way to people's tables, even if... You wouldn't sit at their table. Jesus found his way to the table. 
He found a place at the table, a table of Passover, a table of communion, which is written in the Word of God. When Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples, he was telling them, hey, look, guys, I'm here for a little bit, but I'm going to go. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to go and I'm going to come back for you. He didn't do it through a sermon of theology. He didn't sit down and say to them, okay, this is A, B, and C. He just cooked a kai. And they sat around the table, and they had a kai, and Jesus talks to them, and he connects with them, and he fellowships with them, and he talks about what's going to happen to him. And then he broke bread. The table is a place of connecting. The table is a place of communion. A table is a place of brokenness. In Matthew, he says, while they were, were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. It was for our advantage that Jesus went, so that the Holy Spirit can come and live in us and with us, and that we can walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And we can't walk in the Spirit's 50% of our life or when we come to church on Sunday. We've got to walk in the Spirit Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and every single day make a commitment to the Holy Spirit that you're going to walk with Him and in Him through that day. Commitment. I don't always love my husband. Oh, sorry. I'm married. I don't always love my husband. I wake up some days and I look at him and I think to myself, oh my Lord, what did I get myself into? Truth. But guess what? I'm committed to that man. Love isn't a feeling. Love is a commitment only given by God's Spirit in us. See, I don't like everybody. I really don't. But I'm committed to everybody because that's what love is in action, commitment. It's not a feeling. I don't feel that I love you and feel that I don't love you. Regardless on how I'm feeling, I'm committed to you because of the spirit that resides in me. Committed. John says this, this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper... Woman of God, you're a helper. You're the mini Holy Spirit in your husband's life. Slow down. The park's over there. That's your Holy Spirit, husbands. Just saying. He said, the helper will come, will not come, but if I depart, I will send him to you. At the table, the Holy Spirit will provide us daily provision. Who He promised us to be active in our life today. Why do we wait till we get to heaven? Why don't we bring heaven to earth? We don't have to wait for heaven. I don't have to wait to heaven to have true joy. I don't have to go to heaven to have true peace, long-suffering. I don't have to wait to go to heaven. 
I've got enough long-suffering here on earth. For you and I to have a deeper, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, we need to go to the table often. We need to fellowship with him. We need to commune with him. We need to be nourished by him through the words of God. We need to go to him when we are in need. He said, come, bring me your need. Let me hear what you need. Even before you say it, I know what you need. We need to connect with him on a daily basis. We need to break bread with him. We need to give and share, and we need to be a blessing. He says, my grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This is such an ugly chair. But let's look at the chair. Do you have a favorite chair in your lounge? You kind of just go to that chair, eh? Just like, no. When my kids were growing up, they knew what chair not to sit on, eh? It was like the throne of God in our house. Do you not believe that? Like, seriously, right? Even in the bed, you know which side you go? You go to the left or right, you just know. And oh, don't you go to that side? And you know your pillows? It's just weird. But anyway, okay, chair, chair. The chair is a place of position. And for some of the men, or even the woman, it's your throne. Everyone knows not to sit on it. It's a place of illumination. Is that how you say it? The chair. We can never become men and women of God unless we know how to sit regularly at the feet of Jesus Christ. Never. At the chair, we receive instructions. That is why it's good to listen and not speak. My husband does it often when he sits at the chair. He doesn't speak. I don't even know if he's listening, but he just doesn't speak because I'm talking to him and he's not speaking. Because of the chair. Hmm. But you remember, I shared this this morning that Israel was kind of in the same space. We're at the chair, and it's also a place just to listen, to be silent. You ponder, you think. Israel are told to march around Jericho and do not say a sound. Day one, marching around. This sounds like I'm in an army. Day two. <laughs> and seven times they go around Jericho. On the seventh day, he said, shout. There's too many shouting Christians and not enough quiet ones. Because we shout all the time. We think God's going to hear. Just shut up. Just shush. Because if we're silent enough, when we do shout, things will break down. But with shouting comes after the silence. We've got to be silent before God. We've got to hear the instructions. We've got to be positioned right and just shush. And when it's time to open your mouth, 
The walls will crumble around you. The chair. This is the good news about the chair, that the chair gives us the same privilege as Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit, the chair. He has positioned every believer in Christ to have power and to have honor. We've been made alive in Christ and we are seated in heavenly places. Ephesians says it this way, and you have been made alive who were dead to transpass, trans, can you say that word? Trespasses and sin, thank you. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also have all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God. But God. So we were dead to trespasses. We're dead to sin. We're fulfilling the lust of the flesh. But God. Dun, 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 dun. Who was rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead to trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Even before we knew we needed him, he made us alive in him in heavenly places. Listen, keep listening. And by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. I want you and I to notice that Christianity did not start from the position of walking and running. It started from the position of sitting. Even before you and I came to know Jesus, he positioned us in heavenly places. And you may say, I have no idea what that means. Can I just say to you to trust your position in Christ Jesus. When we were still spiritually dead in sin, God assigned our position in his son and he seated us in heavenly places in Christ and even before we knew him, we were seated with him. Let's think about that for a moment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth and he created this man called Adam he created this place called Eden, and he picked up this man, and he chucked him into Eden. He didn't do that, but that's some paraphrasing, right? Maori style. He chucked him into Eden, and he breathed life into this man. He pulled out of the man a what? Woman. He pulled out of his very self a woman. He gave life through life. And the Bible says that even through all of that, he knew us. From the beginning to the end, he predestined us. And it doesn't make sense because we think to ourselves, but what am I doing? Well, I don't feel God. I don't know God. Can I just say to you, just trust God that you are walking with him every day. Make a decision. I'm going to walk with Jesus Christ. I don't understand it all, but I'm just going to walk with him. Because we're not God. We're not going to know it all. Unless you are know it all. 
When we surrender to Jesus, we accept our rightful position. We don't need to strive. If you're striving, you're working your flesh. Just sit. Be still, Pastor Jamaica said this morning. Be still and know that he is Lord. For you and I to have a deeper, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, we need to listen and obey his instruction. He's downloading instructions to you when you sit at his feet. Stop trying to run around and find the answer. The bank does not have the answer. Lotto does not have the answer. Did anyone win a lotto? Just saying, because that's my answer if you did. Okay, damn, okay. <laughs> but lotto is not your answer. It's not your answer. We need to obey his instructions and re- receive our rightful place in Jesus Christ. The seat. The chair, instruction and pin, oh look, instruction and position. Let's look at the lampshade. Are you okay? This is helpful. You just have to say that because I can see if it's not helpful, right? Let's look at the lampshade. This is illumination. I'm sorry, and revelation. The Holy Spirit dwells in us to reveal Jesus Christ through us. We have to be revealing Christ every day through our life. We have to. If we're not revealing Christ in our, in, through our day and through our life, then I'm going to say this to each and every one of us. You're not walking in the Spirit. You're walking in flesh. You can't be one way on Sunday and another way on Monday. I had this issue last night. I actually have not had much sleep. I probably had, only had a few hours, not even a few hours, which required you know, some support from our local police. I won't tell you the whole story because there's confidentiality in it, but I can tell you this. I had to show the light of Jesus when I wanted to hurt someone. Thank you. <laughs> That's Holy Spirit stuff there. She. I had to be the light of Christ when someone is attacking everything about your very being. The language and the cursing and the holes in the wall and just the anger and the hate and the demonic force over this particular person. Do you know what I did? I sat down. And I just turned the light of Jesus on in me. The hardest thing to do is not to say anything when you want to say everything. She was swearing, she was cursing, she was yelling. And I was praying in my spirit for this young girl because I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But while I'm here, I am the light of the world. 
But when I go, you become the light of the world. The lampstand is a place of revelation. When we are deep and intimate with the Holy Spirit, he will teach us and remind us, he'll advocate for us on our behalf. He can fix us. He reveals to us. He convicted me last night. And it wasn't even my fault. It was her fault. She kept going crazy and I had to call the police. And I wanted to kick her out. I didn't want to be like Jesus. I wanted her out. But I think she's worth it. My husband was really grumpy with me. Kick her out! He's Psalm 1. <laughs> Full stop. I don't need to explain it. It made it worse. Papa Swanee was next to him. Kick her out! He's Psalm 1. End of story. And he's this Māori woman that has a sense of responsibility to shine Jesus. And the police are standing there going, we can go lock her up. And I'm thinking to myself, lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. But I get convicted by his spirit that lives in me. And I had to stand there in my robe with my badge on so she knew I was who I say I is. And I said to her, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay here. And I had to shut the door because my husband was like, kick her out! I had to shut the door. You don't want to see what I did to him. Because he came in to kick her out. But I felt convicted by God's spirit to say, this is why I came for her. So even if my flesh was telling me that she does not deserve any more of my grace, she's kept me up, police have come and gone, then come and then gone and come and gone. Even though my husband and Papa Swan and Chris, oh, he's someone too, telling me to kick her out. The light of Jesus Christ that lives in me had to shine the love of Jesus to a lost person who really needs to know his love because everybody else has given up on her. And all I see is this moldy woman that looked like me once upon a time with this big puku because she's hapu or she's pregnant. And I just think to myself, God, I have to... I want to kick her out, but I've got to be the light of Jesus in her life. So I didn't kick her out. I'll kick her out today. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't kick her out. I just came and complained to Adriana, kick her out today. It won't make me feel bad because she's going to kick her out. No. But it's true. How do you be a light in a world that is so ugly? How do you be the light? 
When I'm faced with this force that I have to choose, do I walk in the flesh and say, get out of my house? I saw the holes in this beautiful apartment shed, like thrown and put holes in the wall. And I'm like, kick her out. The Spirit of God that is deep in us wants her to become his child. So I didn't kick her out. I just kicked my husband out and Chris out and Papa's way out. He says this, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For his spirit searches all things. His spirit searches all things. Can I tell you, his spirit is searching all things, including that girl that everyone wants out of their life, except this Māori girl. The deep things of God, for what man knows the things of the man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We have access to the power and revelation and wisdom of the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit. I want us to remember that everything that is written in the Word of God is for your sake and my sake. But we've got to get to know the Holy Spirit. It is important to know the Father. It's important to know the Son. But how about we have an intimate relationship with the man, Holy Spirit, who lives in us every single day. Amen. The bed, the place of intimacy. Thank you for saying sorry last night, darling. That was really good. Very good. It helped me. Right? The chair, place of position. The lampstand. Illumination and revelation. The table, place of fellowship, communion, nourishment. When Pastor Jordan was a young man, by the way, he ran away from home, and I wanted to kick his leg. I went out searching, a bit like the Holy Ghost. He was search for the one, and I searched all across the land. I did. I was like a crazy mama. Don't, don't mess with the mama if she's trying to find her child. And there was a party happening down in the village. You can tell him all these stories when he gets back, right? He's going to so tell me off because he's going to listen to this. There was a party happening down the village and there was all those teenagers and all these guys. And I walked into that party. Now, all these staunch. And I saw, like, no, I was freaking out. And I went into that party and I searched and I searched and they hit him. So I went directly into the house. And as soon as I stepped my foot in that house, the owner comes, Pastor Fina, I will get him. He's going to come. He's going to come. He's going to come. So I got him. I got him. No, I didn't. (laughs) Love the lamp. All right, the lamp. I had the lamp on. I got him back home. 
and I made the biggest feast that you could ever, ever imagine for this kid. And then he has three sisters, right? Why didn't he just get a hiding? He ran away from home. If that was us, we would have got a hiding. <laughs> but you didn't give him a hiding. You brought him McDonald's and KFC and all this food. True story. I made them all shut up on that table. My three girls, who knows who's got girls? You know when you've got girls? So I made everyone sit around the table. And my husband, who's last to catch up with my discernment, <laughs> all the men of God, thank God for the woman in the house. My husband sat at that table and I served my family. Because at the table is a place of forgiveness. The reason why I put on a feast for my prodigal son is because there's a pattern in the Bible. If I did it the world's way and just thrashed this kid, he wouldn't be our pastor today. So what I did is I learned the patterns of the word of God and we used the table as a place of surrender, forgiveness, sharing, blessing, encouragement, the breaking of bread, forgiveness happened at that table that night. When my husband had surgery, I went out and got him the best chair. He needed healing. He was in pain. He was a baby, but he was in pain. So I got him the best chair. And in that chair in his throne, he found healing. Last night, we had an argument because I was right and he was wrong. He just takes a while to catch up to my discernment. We had an argument in our bed. There was contention happening. It was like the war of China between us. Oh, you know the war, eh? Do you know the war? Oh, Lee, I've got counselling. I can do counselling. It's okay. I got you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's like the war of China. Fighting. Contention. Conflict. So we, a woman, have a way to get up and go away, or he has to get out of the bed, right? But then I came back and it became a place of forgiveness. A bit like Holy Ghost. We're fighting daily, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. We fall short of God's glory because we sin. But we come back to a resting place with the Holy Spirit where he can forgive us again. The bed. 
everything in your word from Genesis to Revelation is to help you find a pattern, to help you find answers, because what you're doing now is not working. So if it's not working, find the pattern. Amen. Can we be outstanding in God's presence, please? I just want time just to pray with us, if that's all right, with every eye closed. And I just want stillness in this house, just quietness and stillness. No one moving. Just quietness. We need to just shut the door just for a moment and let the Spirit of God just hover. If you need a deepening of God's Spirit, intimacy with God's Spirit, I believe he wants to do a work in you today. I don't take it lightly to stand on this platform. I've been preparing since Pastor asked me to speak. It's, it's been a preparation, nerves and fear to get back on the platform. But we've been interceding for you. We've been praying for you. We're crying for you, celebrating. So if you need more of him, his spirit, because you know you're not walking with the spirit, you are walking with the flesh, and it takes a deep, deep conviction. He's convicting you now. He's convicting you, but he's not condemning you because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. With every eye closed, I just want a moment to pray with you. Have the courage to reach up to heaven and say, Father, that is me. If that is you, just reach up to heaven and say, that is me, Lord.